Welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. I'm Tony, the Digital Ministry Manager, and I'm thrilled to bring you our latest sermon series, The Spirit-Filled Church. In this series, our lead pastor, Pastor Todd Starnes, takes us on a journey from our previous series, The Spirit-Filled Life, where we explored what it means to be individuals filled with the Holy Spirit, to now focusing on the importance of having a Spirit-Filled Church. Throughout this series, we will delve into various topics that highlight the significance of a Spirit-Filled Church. We'll explore the church as a sanctuary, its impact on the community and culture, as well as the various other topics. Together, we'll learn how to embrace the Holy Spirit's power and guidance as we strive to become a Spirit-filled church, making a difference in our community and beyond. So without further ado, let's jump right into our message from the Spirit-filled church series. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Um... For uh, I've got my timer set on my sermon, so don't worry. You're okay. We're going to be okay. <laughs> Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. And um, just ask you to speak to us, Lord, that our hearts be good and ready, soul, to receive your word. And that you just do in our lives just what, what needs to be done. We thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Tanya did say something. I don't know if everybody's in the room, but we had a we had a really good crew go help with uh, with kids camp, and um, it's a little tougher to get guys, men to go. Um, but Chase went. Chase was the he uh, he led the, the boys, and Corbin was there and, and helped out, and so grateful for Chase and Corbin. And then we had like as I think our our ladies, we had a lot. <laughs> which was is good it's good and so there was tanya there was Brittany. is Brittany in the room is she here kids church, kids church. um we had uh kaylee is it all was it all four y'all oh, then y'all just stand up y'all just four these four ladies right here kaylee that's you too so would you give them a hand and oh and colleen yeah colleen yep karis yeah whichever they're the same so they're sisters Try to do something good, and what happens? <laughs> so, and Acela, yes, Acela, and uh, I didn't see them in the room, so I, but yes, Acela went, and so grateful for all of them. So, Ron Acela, if you're watching, thank y'all so much, and um, so grateful for that, and be praying for our students this week. Let's see if you remember something from last week. All the time, you know, sometimes I don't even remember what I preached the week before. And so I don't fault anybody. Listen, I want to see if you remember last week, if you were here, we are, some of you remembered. Let's try it again. We are, do you remember we're going to stomp on the devil's head? We're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to laugh ha ha at the devil's games and cast him out in Jesus name. Yep. I told the, I told the, uh, well, anyway, I was bringing some of the campers home and I said, y'all need to do that for your chant next week. But week number one, we talked about the church should be the one shaping our culture. We talked about how that the church is empowered uh, to be, to represent Jesus, to be heaven's embassy here on earth. Last week, we talked about what it meant to be devoted as a church, devoted believers that will be an irrationally generous church. 
and that we will unapologetically share the love of Jesus to those around us. And this morning, I was going to start off in Acts 2 again. That's kind of been of our jumping off point, but I'm going to move right into Mark chapter 2 just for time's sake. But um, I, I, what I want to talk to you about this morning is, a, is very brief, is very short, is very, very to the point, but I want to talk about the four kinds of people in church. The four kinds of people that make up church. We are the church. So there's always four kinds of people. It doesn't matter what church you go to. There's going to be at least four different kinds of people. And so we're going to learn about that today. And I, I don't know what your start in church was. But, I mean, my start in church, I could really lean on Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go. And even when he is old... Uh, I'm not that old, but when even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And so I, you know, maybe I know when I was a teenager, I didn't, I mean, I was pretty much made to go to church. I just went to church. I, I didn't engage. I was dis distanced. I didn't live for the Lord. But there came a moment in time in my life where all of that I heard, all those prayers prayed, everything poured into my life. It made it, it, it brought a shift in my life when the Holy Spirit contended with me. And so I don't know your start in church. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you found Jesus in Teen Challenge. Maybe you found Jesus in, in a jail somewhere. Maybe um, you, uh, uh, you, you gave up on church, but then somebody invited you back to a church. Maybe, um, maybe somebody invited you here to OFA. What, whatever the, we all have a start in, in coming in and being part of the church. And I think in Mark chapter 2, we see all of this happen in this passage. And so I want us to read it together. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Verse 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, wouldn't that be awesome, that there was no more room. Did you know Charles Spurgeon, like back in the day, like way back in the day, like the, seven, whenever he was, like 1700s, I think, or 1800s, that um, they had several services a day at his church, and he would open up service like this. Whenever I'd get in the church, he would say, okay, if you're a Christian, I need you to leave. And he'd make everybody leave the church because there'd be a, long, a line of people who had never been to church outside waiting to get in. Just, just park there for a moment, let you, let you chew on that fat. Soon the house where they were staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Verse 3, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Mm. There could be something really prophetic there. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man down on his mat, right down in front of... I mean, if, if really, if, if somebody did that right now, there'd be more complaining than celebrating. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves. That's important. Thought to themselves. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. We see four types of people in this scenario. And in every church, I think you see these four types of people. One type of person, number one, is this. You see someone who's critical. It doesn't matter what church it is. It doesn't matter if it's Odessa First Assembly. It doesn't matter if it's First Baptist. It doesn't matter if it's Mid-Cities. It doesn't matter if it's um, that other big church over there. I can't remember. It doesn't matter if it's OCFC. It doesn't matter if it's the First Nazarene. It doesn't matter if it's a Methodist church, Presbyterian church, some independent charismatic. It does not matter. In every church, there's someone who's critical. Mark chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought, who is this guy think he is? They were being critical. There have been many in a church who were critical that have kept people out the church. There's been many people critical in the church that ran people out the church. And I would, I'm going to tell you that not only are they in every church in town, but there are some here. Uh, There's a few here, maybe not here this morning, I don't know. How dare you come to church dressed like that? How dare you come to church with tattoos? How dare you come to church living with somebody? Y'all got really quiet. But as long as the Lord has me here, they're all welcome. They're all welcome. And now don't, don't like, so, you know, when I was thinking about this, how to say this, that makes, you know, like, because here's the deal, right? Is that whenever we encounter God, you know, we can't encounter the Lord and stay where we are. Whenever we have a a real authentic encounter with the Lord, we have to move from where we are. Now, hopefully we're moving closer to the Lord, but there's a lot of people that choose to move away from the Lord, right? I mean, that's that's the choice they make. And so whenever we we are confirmed with God's presence, there's going to be change. I mean, one of our values here is what? Is that growing people change. Growing people change. And, I, and so I preface all that to say this. Of the one of that list, I said um, a tattoos. Now, I, listen, I don't have an issue with tattoos. Y'all may, you may fire me tomorrow for saying that. that, that but I'm a, there's a lot of people in the church critical of that. But I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about what somebody comes in, how they are, how they're dressed, what, what they did just a few hours. They may not even have been asleep yet from last night's bender. I don't care. I want them in this place to experience the power of God. And I will, ne- I will never allow somebody to look down on somebody because of race or background or socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter to me. The only difference between me and a lot of people on that street is that I simply believe and I'm just a beggar telling another one where to find bread. 
And that's what the church should be. But I'm going to tell you, if you have if you have church hurt, if you have come into a place, if you want to find the critical people, you'll find them. You'll find them. I mean, I've been criticized for not turking my, my shirt in. I've been criticized for wearing my Vans, which are the I'm not. I should have worn this morning. There is no better shoe than Vans. I'm just telling you. I've been criticized for having a bottle of water on the, on, on the pulpit. I've been criticized for not preaching long enough. I know that surprises some of you. I've been criticized for preaching too long. I've been criticized for it all. But I'm going to tell you, criticism without the love of God is judgmentalism. That's what it is. You see, when we look at Jesus, you know, Jesus said some pretty strong, stern things about the crowd, about the religious crowd. I mean, I, I, know, I've, I know I've talked along these lines before. Many of you have heard it a dozen times over. But, you know, there, there's one point he, he told the religious, he said, he said, you're nothing but cups that are clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. I know, right? That's heavy. He said, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones inside. And, you know, and we're like, yeah, preach it, you know. Well, the reality is this. Whenever I stand on the truth of God's word, and listen, I, don't, don't get me. Listen, there are things that need to be preached and called out and get declared what's true. I, 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 hopefully you understand. I don't think I've ever shied away from anything along that nature. But the reality is this, I can do all of that, but if I have not been immersed and baptized in the love of God, all I am is a critical spirit. Does that make sense? And so whenever I look at somebody and I want to make a confrontation to somebody, I want to make sure I'm in the right heart. Have I prayed for them? Have I loved them well? I thought I'd get a few more amens. Okay. And you can read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to. Yeah, you know what? We are going to read it. I know you may know it, but we're going to read it. We're going to take the time to read it. 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, listen, if I had the gift of prophecy, I mean, I'm anointed. I'm reading people's mail. Miracles are following me. I know all the secrets of God. But if I, and I, if I had faith that moved mountains but didn't love others, what does it say? I would be nothing. I don't care the anointing on somebody's life. I want to know how they love if I give everything I have for the poor and sacrifice my body, but didn't love others, I'd gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, not jealous. Listen, it's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It, is, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. It never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every situation. The reality is this. So many times critical people live through life wanting to assign the blame without accepting responsibility. 
We are in a culture that we have gotten real good at swallowing, straining the gnat, but swallowing the camel. Is that? I love everybody. I love y'all. Y'all love me. Listen, let, let's, it's, listen, and I, and sometimes, and I, I'm a person, I'm a person that's very wired to hate injustice. And it, it's, it, it's difficult sometimes because I hate injustice so much. It's just not about me hating injustice done to me or injustice done to some. I mean, I, I hate in any time. I, I mean, I get just a, 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 just a, a, a whiff of injustice, man. I'm just, I'm just ready to come unglued and fight the world. I mean, that's the way that I'm wired. But I'm going to tell you, that can be a very, 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 very negative trait if I haven't been spending my time in the Word and with the Holy Spirit and His love and grace washing over my life. You can be 100% wrong. You can be 100% right, but completely wrong. Our kids have grown up with that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Why? What do we want to do? Remember what I talked about last week? If we give forgiveness and we give grace, doesn't matter what the situation is. If we give forgiveness and we give grace, what do we get back? It's Luke 6, 37 and 38. We get, forget compassion and forgiveness back, shaking down, pressed together and running over. But if I want to give finger pointing and condemnation or judgment... What do I get back? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Number two is this. You see people, someone who's preoccupied. In church, you see someone who's preoccupied. In Mark 2, 2, it says that there's this house, right? So the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there's no more room even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. And, they, and so here they are. This room, the, the, these visitors pack the room, and there's these four friends bringing Matt. We're going to get Matt on the mat. So they're bringing Matt, and they can't get through. They can't get in because of the crowd. In church, you're always going to find people distracted, self-absorbed, oblivious, the best way, but listen to me, the best way to, to meet your need is to meet someone else's need. Is, is to get your eyes off the, uh, uh, listen, and I know, I, I, I know that's a, I, that can be a really big statement. Because listen, I know that there's people in this room that you feel like you're fighting hell tooth and nail. And I get that, and I know that. But listen, it, when you get your eyes off of you into what's around you, it's amazing how it changes how you see the circumstance. It may not completely turn around the circumstance, but it will change the way that you see it. It'll change the way that you see the battle. And this, this stirring of, of compassion and empathy will begin stirring in you. And maybe, maybe you realize that what you're going through is a anthill compared to somebody else's mountain. But what God has done He's placed you here, not just for you to be ministered to, but for you to be the minister. But for you to be the minister. 
The Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens. Romans 12, 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. That's part of being Christian community. Put yourself in their shoes. What's something we have said over and over and over and over here? Give people grace because you don't know what they are fighting. You don't know what they're going through. But God wants to use you. The third person is this. You see someone who cares. And so in verses 3 through 5 in Mark 2, four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They're carrying a mat on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I mean, didn't you always love this story when you're in Sunday school? They dug a hole. Maybe one day we need to do this illustrative style. Maybe right before we tear this building out and rebuild our new one, we'll illustrate this one. They lowered this man on a mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Seeing their face. I'm going to draw that out in just a moment. Seeing their face. So here are these four men. These four men, Bubba, Bert, Bob, and Bo. And they're bringing in Matt. I remember, I know I've talked about her so many times, but and uh, there was a, a sweet lady at Midland First Assembly. Her name was Connie. And Connie, Connie, Connie... I don't, you know, it just had to be just the Lord because Connie knew kind of how I was living life outside the church, probably more than anybody else did. But, and I, I don't think she lived by, I used to work at this grocery store, first supermarket, and um, worked a lot of years there. And she would come, and I know I've talked about this before, but she would come in shopping. And I really don't think she needed to shop there. I think it was more about me. And uh, I mean, she would find me. Well, Todd, how you doing? I'm doing great. You liar. I mean, she'd straight call me out. Say, you know what? I'm going to pray for him. Like, thanks, Sister Connie, for praying for me. No, we're going to pray right now. And she'd pray for me right then. I think of a young lady that I had in high school. Her name was Heather. One day I'm going to find her. And we'd come in and, you know, talk about our, our, our junk we did that weekend. And she knew a little bit about me. She knew that I, I you know, kind of, you know, I, I went to church. She knew I wasn't living it. She knew that uh, I pretty much went to appease my mom. And, and we would, we would uh, she, was, she was even more direct. I mean, I, I'd be talking, you know, we'd be talking about the party the weekend before. And, and she sat right, and God, for some reason, put this girl right in front of me in Spanish class. And Heather would turn around. And I mean, she, boy, she, she'd get to preach on her, man. She'd be like, you are breaking God's heart. You know the truth. And man, she would just, she would preach. I'm grateful for the people in life that cared enough to speak truth into my life. I'm thankful that, uh, all that time I battled Crohn's disease. And there, even when I didn't have faith for myself, my wife, 
my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and an entire youth camp believed God for a miracle to happen when I believed that it wouldn't happen and God did it anyway. That's what happens when you have a church of people that care. People matter in a church that cares. I mean, I talked a lot last week about we're just not sheetrock and brick, but we are people, and it's people that what matters in a church. I'm going to say it again. It's people that matters in a church. I mean, we, we, we have it on our website. I mean, it's, it's, it's our identity. Love God, love people, grow together. We are not going to be a place that the busyness of ministry matter more than people. We're not going to be the church that is about getting the to-do list done. It's about people. People are not the tool of ministry, but people are the object of ministry. It is us, humankind, bone and flesh, that is the, that that the that we have the affection of heaven. The Lord wants to open up his his spirit over people. He wants to be he wants to put his spirit in people. He wants to take out stone cold hearts of people and put in hearts of flesh in people. And then it says, seeing their faith. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I, I kind of get in the habit of this myself, but, you know, faith sometimes seems like this, this is saying out there that, you know, we just have a, you know, it, like this ambiguous thing that we're trying to grab and, and, and have in us. But sometimes faith takes us, takes us, takes a step. Internal belief that is strong will show up in actions. Did you follow me? An internal belief, something that we are having faith about, will show up in the way that we act and what we do. And that's exactly what these four men did, Bubba, Bob, Bo, and Bert, and, and, and they bring in Matt, that Jesus saw their faith. Why? Because they acted on it. Act on your faith. Act on your faith. Faith wasn't just an internal belief, but internal belief that is strong will show up in faith. The fourth and final thing is this. You see someone in need. Every church, if we're doing our job right, will have somebody in the room that has need. Paralyzed, couldn't walk, laying on a mat, you'll always have someone in church in need. You'll always have someone battling depression, going through trials, feeling hopeless, feeling lost, being addicted, being, having the struggles of a single parent, alone, struggling financially, anxiety, sick, cancer, diabetes, things that are too heavy to carry on your own. There's always going to be need if we're doing it right. I'm prefacing, I mean, if, if everyone in the room has got their needs met and no one is in need, then we're doing something wrong. 
And I, 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 was, just, I was envisioning a, a new T-shirt of somehow some guys tearing off a roof and saying, an OFA will tear off a roof for somebody to need, somebody's needs to be met. <laughs> I mean, really, that, that needs to be our mentality that we are willing to do anything, anything short of sin, to see somebody to have an encounter with Jesus. But here's the reality, is you find what you're looking for. So if you want to focus on drama, you're going to find the drama. If you want to focus on what someone wears, you're going to be consumed about what someone wears. If you want to find someone or something that you don't like, you're going to find it. If you want to find an opportunity to be offended, you're going to find it. If you, but, but, but if, if you look for an opportunity, I believe that you're going to find it. If you look for that moment of ministry, I think that you're going to find it. If you look for that moment of serving, you're going to find it. You will always find what you're looking for. And so my challenge, maybe, you know, I was thinking, what could be my challenge? Is, you know what? It doesn't take a whole lot just to look up. Just to look up. See, I, I, I worked for a pastor as a, when I was a youth pastor. And one Sunday morning, I, I, this is one of the greatest things I think I've, one of the greatest things I ever saw in church. And I don't, I don't know what hit him, but he gets up on the platform and uh, he says, you know what we're going to do? He said, we're going to play upset the fruit basket. Everybody's kind of like, what? What do you mean? And so he makes everybody in the church stand up and made them sit somewhere else. <laughs> you know, sometimes they gain a different perspective. Maybe you need to sit somewhere else. And listen, if I had time, if it wasn't six minutes till 12, I, there's a lot of mileage I could get off that statement. You'll always find what you're looking for. Maybe, you know, maybe if you did move a pew over or a pew up or a pew behind or over here or over there, you're going to meet somebody new. And you're going to find somebody that has a need and you're going to have a divine appointment because God especially equipped you to meet that need. Sit at a different table. Sit somewhere different. I, you know, here's a, here's a, here, take someone you don't know to lunch after service. It doesn't take much to be a community to get injected in each other's lives. Because here's the reality. There's a lot of people sitting in this room. And maybe, you know, it's my prayer as a pastor. Yes, I want the altar, Paul. You know, I mean, I want it to impact people and lives, you know, changed and healed and, and, and big things happen in their life. But if we are really being the church, here's what I know, that it will happen as much Monday through Saturday as it does in an altar call on Sunday. Why? Because we find what we're looking for. So yeah, in church, there's critical people, and there's preoccupied people. But man, I want to see a church that is people that care, 
ministering to the one in need. Would you stand with me this morning? Your last blank, just because there's one more and I don't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.